We're looking at being a prophetic people today, and this is one of those sermons that uh, I'm not sure where it's going to go, because uh, I thought that God wanted to say one thing, and as I started writing, I don't know if you have after this, but actually God sort of says, oh, actually, no, this is what I'm going to say, and this is what I'm going to do, um, and so I don't hate it when God doesn't fit in with your plans, you know, so we'll, we'll see where this goes, but what I want Uh, I'm hoping will happen from this is uh, I think God wants to bring a little bit of ministry to us this morning as well uh, as as part of this. And so as a kind of an introduction, um, we are called to be a prophetic people. And sometimes the the word prophecy is a scary word. We think it's something that's about the anointed, those special people, those holy people, those few But actually, what I want to look at this morning, and what I think God wants to say to us, is we are all called to be a prophetic people. Every man, woman, and child that knows and loves the Lord Jesus is called to be a prophetic person. And we're going to look into that today and just look at what ways we are prophetic. But also gathered here, where we are in this place today in Swavesy, we are called to be a prophetic community. We have something to say to this world We have something to contribute. We have something to show. We have something to live out that is prophetic, that speaks to this day and this age. We could put the next slide up. So the first part of this passage says, For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power. But we were witnesses of his majesty. He received honour and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him saying, The majestic glory, sorry, Father, when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, This is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. This is what I love. Uh, about our faith, about scripture. It's not about cleverly devised stories. It's not about cunning arguments. It's about simple, practical truth that works. Everything in scripture, it works. It's nothing if it's not practical. And God's like, there are no hidden agendas. There's nothing. It just does what it says on the tin. And we live in a confusing world, don't we? Start off with this interesting story. A man once saw an advert in his local paper offering an amazing bargain. A luxury cruise, a luxury cruise, it's easy for you to say, for only £25. The ad instructed those who wanted to take up this fantastic offer should turn up at the docks at midnight on the following Tuesday with the fee in cash. The man turned up at the quayside at midnight on the appointed day, but to his disappointment, he couldn't see a cruise liner anywhere. The docks were dark and apparently deserted. And as he was just about to leave, he heard footsteps behind him. He started to turn round, then someone whacked him over the head and he blacked out. When he woke up, he found himself in broad daylight, floating in a rowing boat in the middle of the harbour. He had a big bump on the top of his head, and his wallet was gone. As he gingerly sat up, 
he saw another rowing boat in the water nearby with a man lying in it, who also had a bump on his head too. So he called across, do they serve breakfast on this cruise? And the man says, I don't think so. At least they didn't last year. (laughs) Don't we live in a confusing world where Facebook and computers are already picking up what we're looking at? They're trying to tell, see what we like, the pages we're looking at more often, so that they can guide their adverts more accurately to us. Uh, And you just think, all this while, people are trying to, to use us and, and, to, and to use our knowledge to, uh, to sort of gain from us. Politicians are telling us convincing truths while disagreeing with each other as to what the truth is. A world of fake news and conspiracy theories. People with clever arguments trying to win your vote. Your friendship, your money, your support. People often say, I just don't want to turn the news on sometimes. Obviously, we love, we love a bit of Brexit, don't we? But, but you just think, what a world I live in. I just don't want to turn, I don't know what the truth is anymore. Have you ever reached that place? But I love what this passage says. But we didn't follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We've been eyewitnesses of his majesty. That moment we first came to faith. What was it for you? Where were you when you first came to faith? What was going on for you? How did it feel before? How did it feel after? How does that compare to now? And sometimes with all that goes on in this world, we lose that moment when we pass from darkness to light, when we first grasp the grace of our Lord Jesus, when we first grasp the mercy, the power of the cross when that message we may have known forever suddenly became personal. And the danger is sometimes we lose that moment in the confusion of the world in which we live it out. Now, my testimony, I didn't grow up in a house uh, of faith of any kind, shape or form. And uh, Martine and I met in a nightclub, as you do. And we... Had a whirlwind romance. We, our first date was on June the 1st. Uh, engaged in August. Married the next June the 30th. And started our family two weeks later. Some people did get the calculators and calendars out, but it didn't. It didn't. <laughs> but, you know, we thought we had everything that life had to offer. But there was one point in our life, I won't go through the whole story, where things started being stripped away. Where I lost my job. We lost our house, and we lost a baby, and Martine nearly lost her life. Everything was, was stripped away, and she just happened to be uh, at a toddler group uh, this, at an evangelical church in town. And at the time when she was in hospital, 
the church descended upon us and I was like, oh great, here come the God squad. <laughs> um, but do you know what? They just loved us. They just did ironing. They looked after our children. They supported us. Uh, didn't preach. Didn't, just, just, just loved us. And do you know, that was more powerful than anything that they could have said. And that was the church being prophetic community. It's not always about words. It's about living out the gospel, sometimes in actions, showing Jesus in who we are. And the first time that I went to, to the church kicking and screaming with Martine, because she said it would be, be a good idea, because she became a Christian first, uh, a few weeks, or probably a couple of months before me. And, uh, oh, great, i better go along. But, you know, that was the first time... I'd ever gone into a place and felt love in the room. You know what I mean? Love was always something someone did to another or for another. But actually, love was in the room and spoke so much. The power of prophetic community. The power of God. Amazing things through ordinary, everyday people like you and me. We can put the next slide up. You see, sometimes what we forget is that we are a journeying people. There's that moment that we just spoke about where salvation came in, into our lives. That moment when things click and you just know that rightness. You meet the Lord Jesus for the first time. That faith becomes personal. You accept that salvation in your life. But sometimes... People see that as the, the terminus. You know, that's where we stop until we die. Thanks, Lord, this is great. And then people stumble on from that moment without remembering that actually from that moment we have salvation worked out. We can reach the place where we feel nothing further needs to be attained. Maybe we feel like we're buying time. Sometimes our faith becomes a chore. Sometimes we lose our sense of awe and wonder. And this is often because we've lost what it is to be a journey in people. We think we've attained what we need to attain. Paul urges us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. What does he mean? The sense in which we are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling is twofold. First, the Greek word work out means to continually bring something to completion or fruition. That's not saying that what Jesus did wasn't complete and wasn't done. You know, there was nothing to be added to that price that was paid. But for us, we're on that road to becoming more like him each and every day. And when we look at it like that, every day becomes a challenge, an adventure. We get that sense of, awe and wonder, where are you taking me today? What are you doing, Lord? What are you shaping in me? Through the good things, through the bad things, through all that's around me, you have a purpose and you're going to shape me. Can you see how being a journeying people fills us again with that awe and wonder? It wasn't that just that first moment. It was about each and every day. We are a journeying people. And we do this by actively pursuing obedience as we are made holy. And it's what Paul describes as straining 
or pressing on towards the goal of Christ-likeness. Every day we journey. Every day we push the, the, the boundaries. Every day we say, What's gonna, where are you taking me, Lord? What have I got to learn? What am I going to discover about you today? In Revelation, Jesus talks to the church at Ephesus. A church that he says, in so many ways, you're doing all the right things. You're getting everything right. You know, you're doing this and you're doing that, and it's brilliant. But he says, this I have against you. You've lost your first love. It's almost, you're doing it, and it's great. But actually, you've lost your first love. And how easily we can, we can freeze at number two, salvation received, without being a journey in people, without taking that first love and enacting it, embodying it each and every day of our lives, journeying with Jesus, wherever he takes us to, to our schools, our workplaces, our homes, our pubs, our clubs. Jesus is already there. What's he got for us? We are called to be a prophetic community. And you know what? One thing I find sometimes when I'm uh, writing sermons or or planning to, to talk to a church is suddenly God will grab a hold of my heart and do something that's just like sort of really powerful and you just think, hang on, hang on, this is... This wasn't for me, this is for everybody else. But, you know, God just wants to, just to grab a hold of your heart sometimes. And he wanted to talk to us about being a prophetic people. And he wants to remind us how being a prophetic community is the, the, the power, the, the amazing stuff, everything that we've just talked about of God embodied in us. My son, eldest son, had a party yesterday and housewarming at his house. We had a gazebo outside, thankfully, because it was a bit rainy at points, and a bouncy castle. And my grandson, Seth, uh, was just amazing in watching him learn and embrace the experience. He's two and a bit. The bit's very important when you're two, obviously. Um, but he, he did this amazing thing with a balloon. He went in and he wanted this helium balloon so he took it outside, and I was like, you know, if you let it go, it's going to be gone, you know. And he was just like looking at me, like, what are you on about? I'm just going outside with this balloon. And he walked up to the bouncy castle, uh, and he, he looked at the bouncy castle, and he released the balloon, and then it went up in the sky, and he just watched it going. Then he suddenly realized there was a group of young girls by the side of him. And they're like, oh, he's let go of his balloon. Oh, his balloon's gone. And they started stroking his head, and they're just like, oh, bless his heart. And you could see the cogs going in his brain. It's like, hmm. Where did he go next? Went straight back to the kitchen, come out with another balloon, <laughs> stood next to this group of girls, and let it go again. And he was like, <laughs> and then, like, oh, back he went, three balloons. <laughs> Don't know where he gets that from. Um, but the, the, the next time I was like, here, why don't you, I blew a normal balloon up so it wasn't going wasn't to go. Uh, and, you know, so he loved that, that was blowing along the ground, and he was picking it up. So he was having a whale of a time. And then it burst on some thorns or something. Uh, and he'd come over to me and pulled my finger like that to come over and show me this balloon. I said, oh, what's happened? And he's pointing at it on the ground. He said, 
bang, broken. But he pulled my finger all the way to this, on the ground. And he thought, so I get emotional. Granddad can make that better. He took my finger to touch the thing that he thought I could make better. Granddad can do everything. And I think God wanted to say to us this morning, pull me over to the thing that you want mending. I'm just going to take a moment for each of us. Because wherever we are, God wants to say this morning, bring me over to the thing you want mending. What is it that's hurting? Take me over. Pull me towards it. Because if we're to become a prophetic people, we need to understand who we are in Christ. We need to understand who God is. And what we're going to do, just for a couple of minutes, I'd like you to close your eyes. And I want to read some scriptures over you as well. Something I can say hand on heart are the words of God because they literally are from Scripture about who we are in Christ. But for some of us this morning, I think God wants these words speaking over us because we need to hear them afresh. If you'd like to close your eyes just for a moment. The Lord wants to tell you this morning that you are his child. That you are his friend. That you have been justified. You are united with the Lord and one with him in spirit. You have been bought at a price and you belong to God. You are a member of Christ's body. You are a saint. You have been adopted as his child. You have been redeemed from all your sins. You stand complete, complete in Christ. You are free forever from condemnation. The Lord assures you that all things work together for the good. You can never, ever be separated from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. You've been established, anointed, and sealed by God. You are hidden with him in Christ, confident that the work, good work, that God has begun in you will be perfected. The Lord wants to say that you are a citizen of heaven. You haven't been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. You are the salt and light of the earth, a branch of the true vine. You are a channel of his life. You have been chosen. You have been appointed to bear fruit. 
You are a personal witness of Christ. You are his temple. You are a minister of reconciliation. You are God's co-worker. You are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. And this morning, no matter what you think about yourself, what this world or your life has told you, you are God's workmanship. You may approach God with freedom and confidence. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Lord, we welcome you into this place. In the knowledge that in a sense you've never left. And you've walked every step with us. Thank you for the reminder this morning that you know our hearts. Lord, we invite you. We take you to that place of pain and ask for your healing. We take you to that place where things are broken that you might make whole again. Confident that this can only happen in your hands. We come to you, our loving Heavenly Father, because we can trust you. Because you love us. With a love nothing can compare to. We pray that your, by your spirit, your hand will be upon us, that there'll be healing this morning, that there'll be a stirring in each of us as we're reminded afresh of that amazing, that amazing thing that you did for us on the cross. When we're reminded that it didn't just stop there, we're reminded of who we are in you, that we can stand tall wherever you take us. Lord, we ask that you would pour out your spirit this morning. That you would bring your healing. That you would stir us afresh. Amen. If God's started something with you, if God's doing business with you this morning, I don't want to stop or cut across that. But I would say don't Don't go home with it incomplete. You're among friends here. There's people that will pray with you. One of the leadership teams, someone you've come with. You know, continue doing business with God. If we started something in you, let's give it legs. We can put the next slide up. The second part of this passage says this. What we did then was just to actually realize who we are. You know, often we could say, well, who am I to do that? You know, I know my life. I know what I've been, where I've been, what I've been up to. You know, or I feel rubbish, or I've always been told I'm rubbish, or I'm dot, 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 dot. Actually, what matters is God says that I am. God says that I am. And sometimes we tune into the wrong voices, don't we? You know, that place where 
There could be nine positive people and one negative. Which one do you remember? But God wants us to come knowing who we are as we become a prophetic community. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable. And you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must, not, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they, carried a lot, as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. What does the prophetic, the voice of God, breaking into the everyday look like? It looks something like this. I commend our political leaders for standing together in Cregan on Good Friday. I am, however, left with a question. Why in God's name... Does it take the death of a 29-year-old woman with her whole life in front of her? the death of a 29-year-old woman with her whole life in front of her to get to this point. You may have seen that a few times. But when that priest prepared that message, do you think anyone, well, met obviously some people, but how many people knew who he was? Did he think he was just preparing a eulogy? Did he realise that he was going to be the voice of God into a situation. The words that not only brought stand innovation, but has gone around the world. Obviously, as I, as I said to Martin, he didn't realise that because he hadn't done his hair at the back and it was sticking up a bit. But, but seen by millions around the world, changed uh, a political process, started things happening in earnest. Do you think... That priest thought that was going to happen that morning. Or did he just share what God was, on, was putting on his heart? What do you know is going to happen in this next week? We are a people caused, called to raise the standard. I know if you see some of these battle films, the, the standard, the flag that, that's held high, and encouraged those in battle. People gathered around the flag. People protected the flag. People were roused to, to, to rally around the flag, to fight onwards, draw strength. People would risk all to not let the flag be lost. 
And that's what it's about for us. We are raising the standard. We are flying the standard. Remember the song, There's a Castle in My Heart? I'm not going to sing it, don't worry. There's a flag flying high in the castle of my heart because the king is in residence here. That flag should fly in all of our conversations, in everything we do. And we do so in love and humility, not judgmentalism. 1 Peter 4 says, If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised. 1 Peter 3.15 But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer for every, everyone who asks you to give reason for the hope you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. And 1 Corinthians 1.18 For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. We fly the standard. We raise the standard. We rally the troops. Because of who we are, because of what we represent, because of what we embody. And sometimes God will give us words. Us, everyday normal folk, that will be life-changing. That will speak into a situation. That will speak into a community. We are called to be a light in the darkness. So many times scripture tells us, Matthew 5.14, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. It's a nonsense, he's saying. If you're a city on a hill, you can't be hidden. If you're in Christ, your love, your light is going to shine out. You're there for all to see. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. John 8, 12. Again Jesus spoke to them and said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Matthew five sixteen says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Acts 13. For so the Lord commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you might bring salvation to the ends of the earth. 1 Peter 2.9. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out to be darkness in called you out of the darkness into this marvellous light. And lastly, Corinthians 5.8 For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. It's a dark world, and we bring with us a light. And, you know, one of the, one of the amazing experiences... Uh, as, a, as a chaplain is we get to meet people in their darkest moments 
we come to every bedside. So we have a generic chaplaincy, which means we will, we will meet with anybody in the hospital. And we will talk with them about whatever is making sense for them at the moment, helping them to process where they are. And you know, one thing that never ceases to amaze me is the amount of times we are a non-collar wearing chaplaincy, so I'll, we'll just work shirt and trousers like any other medical staff. The amount of times I've turned up at a bedside before not close enough to read ID or anything, and someone said to me, you're a chaplain. Could anyone look less like a chaplain <laughs> than me? You know, bare below the elbows, tattoos out. But something that God has brought through me into that space, they've said, you're a chaplain, aren't you? I said, what makes you say that? I don't know, but I know. We can never underestimate what we embody, what God brings in us. People will call me over. You're a chaplain, aren't you? I need to speak to a chaplain. I thought a normal day and I'm walking on a ward, but two lives collide. Someone in their darkest moments is brought into my path. You're a chaplain. There's no such thing as a normal day, is there? The priest probably thought that was you know, a little bit extraordinary, but probably a normal day. We bought, we're asked to be lights in this world. And it's a particular kind of light, I think. I might just be revealing my children here, but what is the first thing your children do when you give them a torch? Where do they want to shine it? In your eyes. Look, it's a torch. Yes, I can see that it's a torch, but please, I don't need it in my eyes to see that it's a torch. You know, but, and every time it's on, they shine it in your eyes. And that's not what God's asked us to do. It's not asked us to shine it in their face, in their eyes, to blind them. We bring like the candle that attracts. You know when a candle light comes? It pulls you in, doesn't it? You focus on it in a dark room and you're drawn towards it, that gentle light that comes from just living out that faith, that comes from knowing who we are as God's children. That light that we provide draws people in. We don't have to shine it in their eyes. We don't have to direct it. We live it and allow them to be drawn There will come times when God will ask us to do something specific. There might be times when God uh, gives us specific words to say to people. And that can be worrying, can't it? That can be like, I don't want to get this wrong. But God understands that. If we put the next slide up. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Spirit. It's not about you, it's about him. And sometimes we just need to take the risk and God's put some on our heart. You know those moments? Butterflies. My heart beats faster. 
And that moment where you think it's going to be a bigger battle for me to not say this than it is to say it. We can say it in love. We can say it in grace, in mercy, in encouragement. But sometimes God will give us those words. And if we want to weigh it, the simple test is, is it Christ-like? Is this something Jesus would bring? It's about stepping out and taking a risk. And maybe later on as, as you come to prayer gathering, just to, to ask, what is it that lies before me? What is my ordinary day going to be look like? What does it look like for us as a prophetic community? What has God given us that sways you here that is unique? As we shine, as we have a voice, as we speak into the situations of the day. Isn't that what the prophets did? They had a voice. And I think one of the fantastic things about our our Baptist heritage is one of our core values is the separation of church and state. You know, we are our own people and we will be a voice from the margins. We don't do what the government tells us to. We discern what God wants us to. The freedom to express that. What does that look like? What does that feel like? So, being a prophetic community is really just, not just, because it is something quite profound, yet quite simple. It's knowing who we are in Christ. Understanding. Knowing whose voice is feeding in to definition of who I am. And putting ourselves in places where God can use us. Attracting people as like a candlelight. And then at times when God puts something on our heart just to step out and be brave. Because you know, God is the perfect parent. None of you, if, you if, if your children were trying to please you and got it wrong, would pick them up, slap them and say, stupid, why did you get that so wrong? You'd be so glad that they were trying to they got, got something wrong trying to please you, that you'd love them, wouldn't you? And God's like that with us. We're so fearful of getting something wrong. But actually God says, you, try, you may have got it wrong, but you were trying to please me. You know, That's God's love for us. We're going to uh, finish there. We're just going to watch uh, one video, and then I'm going to read a piece of scripture and I'm just going to finish there with that piece of scripture because that's kind of an invitation for us to think let's watch the video first praise God I am a part of the fellowship of the unashamed I have Holy Spirit power the die is cast I've stepped over the line The decision has been made. I am a disciple of His. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed, my present makes sense, and my future is secure. I am finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tame visions, mundane talking, chintzy giving, and dwarf goals. 
I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudits, or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, top, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by presence, lean by faith, love by patience, live by prayer, and labor by power. My face is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven, my road is narrow, my way is rough, my companions few, my God reliable, my mission clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, diluted or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of adversity, negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, lay up, or slow up, till I preached up, prayed up, paid up, stored up, and stayed up for the cause of Christ. Disciple of Jesus, I must go till he comes, give till I drop, preach to all know, and work till he starts. And when he comes to get his own, they have no problems recognizing me. My colors will be clear. that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. <clears throat> At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the glory of the King the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord, saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. <clears throat> 